The gospel that we have just read is about death and life. I say death and life. And that sounds kind of odd to our ears, doesn't it? Because we're used to saying it the other way around. Life and death. Life and death. We always say life and death. It's a matter of life and death. And I think we say it that way because that's how we experience it. You know, first we live, and then eventually we all die. But today's gospel turns that around. Death comes first in today's gospel, and then only after that, life. Death and then life. So we begin with death. We begin with the death of Lazarus. And then when Jesus decides he wants to go back to Judea to be with his friends in Bethany, his disciples warn him that he may die because the people there were trying to stone him. But Jesus isn't afraid of death. And neither, for that moment anyway, are his disciples. Because they say, Thomas says, let us also go to die with him. If our Lord is insistent on going back to Judea to die, let us go die with him. Now, we know that when that moment would actually come for Jesus to suffer his passion, they would all flee, except for John. But for now, for now, they're willing to go and suffer death for the sake of their Lord. And when they arrive in Bethany, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days already. And this is significant. We may wonder, why did Jesus wait when he found out Lazarus was ill? Why did he wait? The gospel says he loved him. Why did he wait? Well, the reason why Jesus delayed the journey was to emphasize the miracle that he was doing. Because Jesus had raised others from the dead before. The widow's son, Jairus' daughter. But these were all recently deceased. According to Jewish folk wisdom at the time, they, they theorized that the soul lingered near the body of the deceased for up to three days, right? before moving on to Sheol, the realm of the dead. And in, in theory, someone could revive because the soul has decided to enter back into the body. But the soul would only linger for three days. And so after three days, a person was considered truly dead. A person who was dead for three days was, was dead. Right? They weren't only mostly dead, to borrow a phrase from the princess bride. They were really and truly dead. And that's also one of the reasons why it's significant that Jesus remained in the tomb for three days. Right? The three days that Jesus spent in the tomb, Friday, Saturday, rising again on Sunday, fulfilled various Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, but also in a practical way, those three days testified to the fact that he truly was dead. Right? After three days, there was no doubt. And Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. Four days. Lazarus was dead. And then Jesus called him out. 
Jesus' voice reached into Sheol, reached into the realm of the dead, reached into the pit of hell and said, Lazarus, come out. He called Lazarus' spirit back into his body and Lazarus walked out of that tomb on his own two feet. Who could do that but the master of life himself? By saying, Lazarus, come out, Jesus shows us what this story is all about. It's not about Lazarus dying. It's about Lazarus coming alive. That's what this story is about. It's not a story about death. It's a story about life. And this is what our story similarly is about. From our perspective right here in this world, it might appear to us that each one of our stories ends in death. Because that's as far as we can see. We can't see past that horizon. But our stories are not about death. They are about life. From the fifth Sunday of Lent that we celebrate today, we enter into a special time during Lent that we call Passion Tide. It's it's an intensification of the Lenten observances that we keep that comes just before Holy Week and Easter. That's why we have our statues and our sacred images all veiled in shrouds, like corpses. They, They imitate for us the way that our Lord himself was veiled in a shroud and hidden from our sight in the tomb. The bells are silent, like the silence of the tomb. And we focus in a particular way during these next couple of weeks on the Lord's passion and on the Lord's death. But the story is not about death. The story does not end in death. Good Friday is not the last chapter in the gospel. Good Friday is only good because it's followed by Easter Sunday and what happened on that third day. Our story is not about death. It's about life and resurrection. So before we dive into Passion Tide, before we hear all about our Lord's death next Sunday, on Palm Sunday of the Lord's Passion, let's take a moment right now to consider what else do the scriptures teach us about death? In the book of wisdom, it teaches that God did not make death, nor does he rejoice in the destruction of the living, but he fashioned all things that they may live. The prophet Ezekiel tells us that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Isaiah tells us that the dead can't praise God, but only the living praise the Lord. And the Psalms ask, what is there to gain by my death from my going down into the grave? Can the dust give you thanks or declare your faithfulness? The scriptures are clear in their teaching. God does not love death. God did not make us for death. And that's why the scriptures also teach that the final enemy to be destroyed is death. So why is there death? 
If God hates death so much, why do we have to die? And why, for that matter, did Christ have to die for us? The scriptures also teach the wages of sin is death. Death exists because sin exists. Sin separates us from the source of life. Think about what we are without God. Before God breathed his life into us, we were dust. And once we separate from that divine life, we go back to dust. We begin to die. How do we begin Lent? We begin Lent with the words, remember you are dust, and to dust you will return. So to save us from death, then, Jesus has to save us from sin. Because sin is the cause of death. To save us from death, Jesus has to save us from sin. And that's the real miracle. Much more miraculous than Jesus calling Lazarus to walk out of the tomb after four days is when Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Much more miraculous than the healing of the paralytic's legs is when Jesus told him, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. And just like Jesus stands at the entrance of the tomb and speaks life back into Lazarus, he stands at the entrance of the heart of each sinner, of your heart, of my heart, and he speaks life back into us, calling us to rise up from the death of our sin and walk out into the light of new life. That's our story. That's our story if we play our part in it. It's not a story that ends in the tomb. It's not a story that ends with a funeral and with a graveside service. It's a story that doesn't end in weeping. It's a story that ends in rejoicing. It's a story that ends with a stone rolled back and with joy and surprise taking the place of fear and doubt, with breakfast eaten by a lakeshore with friends, with ascension and with crowns and with glory, that's our story. It's not a story of life and death. It's much greater than that. It's a story of death and life.